Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Charlotte Readers Podcast is also supported by the novel Deadly Declarations, available in print and audiobook wherever books are sold, and an ebook on Amazon Kindle. Written by Landis Wade and narrated by Bill A. Jones, Deadly Declarations is a light-hearted legal thriller that delves into a 250-year-old colonial mystery that Founding Father John Adams called one of the greatest curiosities and one of the deepest mysteries that ever occurred to him. For reviews and information about Deadly Declarations, please visit LandisWade.com. The Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. Listen to your city at queencitypodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. In this episode 296, we visit with Maggie Smith, author of Truth and Other Lies, a story about a young reporter's search for the truth and the fallout that could follow. Truth and Other Lies is a mix of fraud, secrets, and politics. Three women, two secrets, one lie. Young protagonist Megan Barnes' life is in free fall when the story begins, having lost her job as a reporter and her boyfriend on the same day and having no choice but to move back home to live with her mother, who is running for office as a Republican on a pro-choice platform that is opposite everything Megan stands for. As a way out and up, Megan takes a temporary job helping with publicity for the memoir of a Pulitzer Prize-winning novelist she idolizes. But she soon faces tough choices when questions arise as to whether the journalist committed plagiarism. She does not believe the charge at first, but something makes her investigate, and then she finds herself caught in a web of deceit and blackmail that could ruin her and her mother. Hank Philippi Ryan, Emmy-winning investigative reporter and USA Today best-selling author of Her Perfect Life, had this to say about the book. Twisty, timely, and riveting, thought-provoking. The talented Maggie Smith minds the intensity of competition, the duplicity of the human psyche, and the terrifying knowledge that with one wrong word or one wrong decision, your life can be changed forever. Before we jump into the uninterrupted interview today, I'd like to thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us. We very much appreciate it, uh, and thank you for being here. I'm your host, Landis Wade. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author turn podcast or books of stories and love interviewing authors about their books and sharing that uh, with you the listener i also love how interviewing more than 300 authors on this podcast has helped my own writing journey i've learned quite a bit from these talented guests and if you'd like to learn more about my books and uh, what i've done with that uh, knowledge you can uh, check out landiswade.com uh, you can sign up for my newsletter there and uh, also please follow me on bookbub and for everything related to Charlotte Readers Podcast, check out charlottereaderspodcast.com. We've got a newsletter there as well. And by the way, with these newsletters, which come out monthly, we don't spam you because that takes way too much time. And finally, if you'd like uh, to get a free audiobook when you sign up for audiobooks at Libra.fm, just use the promo code CHARLOTTEREADER and you're in business. Now, let's get to the episode. Maggie, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me on. It's great to be here. Yeah, congratulations on the book. Thank you very much. It's exciting times. 
Yeah. Now, uh, first, Maggie, I should say that I really did enjoy this book. Um, I got into it. The protagonist I, I found to be tough, uh, but vulnerable. Um, you know, there were internal and external conflicts she was dealing with, and the pace moved along. Plus, I like the mysteries. And while this wasn't a mystery per se, it was an investigative story to discover a mystery. So here's my question. You know, as a debut novelist, setting aside the hard work you had to do to write the novel, how'd you pull that off? Did it have anything to do with the many people you thank in your acknowledgments, living the many things you did in your career before you wrote the book, or a little bit of both? Um. Well, probably a little bit of both. Uh, I, I wrote this book three different times, and I mean from beginning to end three different times. And it was very different in all three of those uh, incantations. So I was struggling with with the plot, I guess you'd say, more than the characters. I had the three characters in mind to begin with as kind of a triumvirate of a, a young girl at 25 kind of searching for who she's going to model her life after. And her mother, who, as you mentioned, uh, is from social issues standpoint, very different from her. And her mentor, who is very the same as her and is somebody she really looks up to. So I had those three things, three characters in mind. I just didn't have the plot to hang it on as much. And uh, so it took some struggles to get it to be more of an interesting plot. It initially had some things to do with divorce and uh, adoption. It was very different, and it just didn't seem to sing as much to people as I think this one does. Yeah, I don't think people realize um, until they write a book um, how many iterations it can go through, <laughs> and and you're you're before it gets to be the book that it needs to be, right? Exactly. And then you still have to polish it and do all the revisions after that. But I guess, you know, if I had it to do over again, I'd sp spend more time thinking about it before I started writing it. <laughs> but <laughs> water yeah. under the bridge. <laughs> that, that, that's what I call my cogitating stage. You know, yeah, when, exactly. when yeah. Sitting uh, back in the recliner <laughs> and acting like you're actually working. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Uh, all right. So your protagonist is a young journalist and you, you had a career uh, that included uh, some journalism. Uh, I did. How, how did your work in journalism inform the writing of this novel? Well, I really wasn't a journalist for any period of time. I was in high school. I was a journalist. I uh, wrote for the uh, um, yearbook, and I edited the, the student newspaper and did some writing with that. And then when I first went to college, I went to Medill School of Journalism at Northwestern in Chicago, which is where Megan goes. Uh, you know, write what you know. <laughs> and uh, I was there for a couple of years until I realized I was making A's in everything except journalism. And I thought, hmm, I guess I need to be something else other than journalism. <laughs> I think I had trouble writing to deadline, uh, writing very factual. So I'm probably more of a creative writer than I am the factual writer. Um, but I have had um, friends that were journalists. And of course, I read a lot about journalism. And in fact, I recently wrote a column that's maybe appeared by now in Crime Reads about films that feature journalists. So it's an interesting topic. And I and I feel like uh, in, in our society right now, journalism is one of the people we're turning to, one of the institutions we're turning to, to, to really help us figure out what's going on in the world. Mm -hmm. um, so it, it seemed like a way to have a mystery under the investigative reporter kind of uh, rubric without it being a thriller 
suspense kind of novel. Yeah. And, and you, you, they can't say you shrugged a little bit when you said, write what you know, but I would say that I do find that novels and like this one are more richer. I think when they come from the standpoint of someone who knows, you know, what they're writing about. And even though you didn't take your journalism beyond college, you've obviously been paying attention because it comes through in the character. I mean, you can feel what's going on in her mind about, you know, wanting to be published and the trial she's going through. But hey, you've also, as I understand it, you've done a little work as a psychologist. I, uh, I did more work as a psychologist. I got, <laughs> right. I wound up getting a PhD in psychology and worked for a few years as a psychologist in, yeah. in the therapy end of it rather than research. And uh, I guess I have to feel like that affects a little bit of my ability to delve into characters and their psyche and what's going on with them behind the scenes, which I think is part of what people like about this book is that the characters are fairly deep in terms of what's revealed about them. And you wind up understanding them and their actions a little bit more, even if you don't agree with them. Yeah. And that's exactly where I was headed with this because, um, you know, some novels are just all surface conflict, but the internal conflict in a novel, if you can pull it off, is where I think people can kind of relate to characters. And by being a psychologist and understanding what people are going through, I mean, these are secrets that these characters are carrying with them, which creates burdens on them, right? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. And affects their actions or yeah. in, in some cases maybe causes them to do other actions so they can cover up those secrets. Right now, you're also a fellow podcaster. You got a I am weekly weekly podcast here. I roar, and I think it's uh, great that you're doing that. Uh, I've been doing this for a while too, and it, it, I, I'm wondering whether the uh, same thing applies to you as it has to me when you interview authors. That is, do you learn things about writing by interviewing other authors? Oh, absolutely. I, I'm at about 130 episodes now, and everyone has been different it's it's they're all women women's fiction writers uh which means other than one they're all women that isn't necessarily the case but it tends to be the case and they've all gone different paths to get their their things published i've interviewed people that were uh published by the big 5 big 4 however many it is uh, mm -hmm. self published indie published uh hybrid publishing small presses uh, they they probably all have in common perseverance. They keep that kept going until they got they got published. But I also was able to uh, question them about marketing techniques that they used and what was successful and what wasn't. And of course, I'm just absorbing like a little sponge all that time because I'm thinking someday I'll be there and <laughs> what will work for me. Um, and and that's also what we're sharing with the listenership as well, is so that they they can get an education about what it's going to be like. So I definitely learned uh, through, I've been doing it, it'll be four years this May, um, through osmosis of just talking to all these women. Yeah. yeah. So I, I wrote a blog post on my blog, uh, Wait Scripts, at uh, my, my author website, uh, all the marking I did not know. And these were the things, <laughs> th things that I picked up podcasting over three years that I wish I'd known from my first three books. You know? <laughs> and so I'm, a try I'm trying those out on my current novel. So we'll see how that, see how that goes. Well, uh, I do that sometimes. <laughs> I'll, I'll talk to people. I'll say, well, let's just have a conversation or a Zoom call right. for an hour and, and I'll tell you what I know. Uh, and after the hour, it's like, oh, but I know so much more. <laughs> exactly. exactly. There's just exactly. an endless number of things to tell. Yeah. So talk about setting for a second. You chose Chicago as a setting for your book. And, and 
Maybe it's because it's uh, your city. You're, you're very invested there. You're on the board member of the Chicago Writer Association, managing editor of their Wright City magazine. You're coordinator of a book nook, uh, which highlights Chicago area independent bookstores. So you're very invested. But, I, but I'm curious, you know, when you dive deeper in a book, uh, I don't know about you, but I, I grew up in Charlotte, but I, I started learning things about my own city when I was setting you know, my novel in my city. Did you learn things about Chicago you didn't realize? <laughs> as well, you the novel? Uh, it's interesting because I really don't live in Chicago. I live in okay. Milwaukee, which is 90 okay. minutes from Chicago. Okay. And of course, I went to school in Chicago when I went to Northwestern. And I actually had a um, weekend apartment that I shared with uh, somebody. They lived there during the week and I lived on the weekend for a couple of years maybe three or four years ago. So that's when I really got to know the city because I was downtown uh, near Millennium Park. And, but I, but I know at one point when I was working with the editor at my publisher, um, she was highlighting some places and saying, you know what, this could be any big city in, in the United States. You need to make it specifically Chicago. And so I had to go back and add in sights and sounds more mm -hmm. from the description like the l rattling mm -hmm. overhead and the wind and the crowded streets and the honking and um i had landmarks i have one chapter in which the kind of romantic interest and the protagonist uh take a kind of tourist saturday off and go down in chicago which people love that it was it was more like a breathing room okay we're right. like going very fast and we're <laughs> going to take a chapter here to just catch our breath uh but people really like that i guess because they recognize places they've been maybe um but anyway i had to kind of go back and add that because it needed to be specifically chicago um so i i guess it's a blend of uh yeah knowing the the city from my time in downtown Chicago, living there, and then also just purposely putting things in. Yeah, you know, that's us uh, people that don't live in Chicago. We remember the Miracle Mile. We remember the places where the sports teams play. So drop those in. We'll know we're in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, so uh, you wrote a short story, uh, The Devil You Know, that was published in an anthology, um, 20 short stories about the mask we wear. And to some extent, uh, one of the characters uh, – in this book uh, is wearing a mask. Well, actually, several of the characters are wearing masks to some extent, um, hiding certain facts about themselves, uh, their insecurities, what they want, that, so forth. Uh, talk a little bit about that uh, mask wearing that makes for good fiction. Ah, that's an interesting question I have not been asked before. Um, well, that's... I think everybody wears a bit of a mask. I have a series of Instagram uh, posts that I've done that, that say every woman has a secret. She hides from the world. And I illustrate it with different women in different walks of life. And I think that's true of anybody. Some of them are not deep, dark secrets. They're maybe happy secrets. I'm, I'm pregnant and I'm not telling anybody yet or... Um, you know, I got engaged, but I'm not telling anyone yet. But mostly, they're probably things you're not all that happy for everybody to know. Um, and, and that can be medical issues. It can be uh, abuse that occurred in your background. It can be something you just did that you're not all that proud of. Um, and I think there's some legitimacy to not just blurting it all out to everybody. But it does make you feel maybe sometimes not authentic to the people that you're in relationship with. And, and sooner or later, you usually do tell most of your secrets to your 
husband or wife or maybe your children. Um, so that's what makes books interesting for me is that the character that I meet on page one is not the character that I've come to know by the time I get to page 300, that that's part of the job of the novel is to help me get to know this person through their own self-revelations, if, if we're in their point of view, and also by seeing them in interaction with other people. So in Megan's case, we see her interacting with her mother, and that's very different than how she re interacts with her mentor. And then we see her in romantic situations, and that's different. Uh, and we see her with her best friend, which is a real important relationship to her in the book. And, and that's also revealing other things about her. So that by the end of the book, Hopefully, we feel like that we understand why she's made the choices she has, and we kind of like her. A lot of times, people will not necessarily like her in the beginning. She's a little bit ambitious. She's a little bit snarky. Uh, she's a little bit full of herself. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and and so I think she mellows over time as you get to know her, which maybe that's the case with anybody. You get to know them and, and you like them a lot better than when you first met them. Yeah. And you mentioned several ways that secrets might come out. Another way they can come out is if someone uh, threatens to tell your secrets, kind of like uh, your yeah. plot line here. Yeah. Let's uh, educate our listeners a little bit about, uh, little bit about the storyline without giving too much away uh, before we have a reading from the book. Okay. Well, uh, as you said, Megan comes home, and I can't tell a whole lot of the second half of the book, but but I wanted to explore um, how I felt when I was 25. I had a, a fairly contentious relationship with my mother. We did not get along, and we weren't best friends like some people are with their mothers. So I really didn't uh, model what I wanted to be as a woman after my mother, and so I was always kind of searching for who can be a role model for for me. And that's a little bit what I'm replicating in the book is that uh, Megan feels very different than her mother about all kinds of political issues or social issues, I guess you'd say, like climate change and gun control and the big one being abortion. Um, and Jocelyn Jones, the famous uh, journalist, and I tell people, think think real famous, like this is Diane Sawyer famous kind of thing, um, is obviously somebody that she looks up to and wants to emulate and thinks can maybe help her in her career. And so she's very much patterning herself after Jocelyn and not her mother. And uh, as, as you mentioned, Jocelyn then has a, a Twitter troll, I guess you'd say, that comes on and begins uh, leaving messages on Twitter that are accusing, initially accusing Jocelyn of, we're not sure what. Um, and then eventually it comes out that she's being accused of plagiarism. So she wants Megan to look into this. You know, you're an investigative reporter, find out who's doing this and make them stop. And uh, so that's kind of the mystery behind it is Megan and her newfound love, who happens to be a cyber detective, uh, go after trying to find who this troll is and why they're doing this. And then then the, the plot thickens, as you said, in the second half of the book, as her mother gets uh, drawn into this as well. Her mother is running for political office, so there's she's... she's uh, open for blackmail and rumors and things like that as well. 
Yeah, and we we learned very early on about this, you know, threat to expose. Um, and and Megan is defensive, as you said, of her her idol and wants to protect her. And so that's where the second half of the book comes in. You know, what's going to happen? Who's going to who's going to be right? Who's going to be wrong? We're right. going to find out. Loyalties and. How's it going to affect everybody's lives? It's, yeah, and that's when things really pick up. It's really interesting. Um, all right, look, we got a little reading here. This is where um, authors okay. give voice to the written words. And, ah. uh, you know, you've got a little section here you're going to read. Uh, it's kind of early in the book, but yeah. uh, anything you want to say to set it up? I think uh, we've got a couple of the characters you've already mentioned in this scene. Yeah, this is a, a early scene. Probably, I guess it's the first scene. It's not the entire scene, but it's, it's the scene in which we're meeting uh, Megan's mother, Helen. And uh, she has been away. And Megan moves into the house when her mother's out of town. And so this is the uh, it, it's a supper scene, but her mother's fixing breakfast. And we're in Megan's point of view this whole time. So we're in hearing her thoughts. I'd never understood what drove her. But for years, my mother had honchoed grassroots efforts to shut down Planned Parenthood clinics across the state. At college, my friends would rant at me in the cafeteria, repeating what my mother said in one radio show or another. All I could do was agree with them and make clear I had no control over what she did. Not that I hadn't tried to talk sense into her, but it was hopeless. We viewed the world so differently, it was hard to believe we were even related. Besides, there's a push this year to get more women in the legislature, she continued, which means I've got the party's endorsement if I want it. As to why I do it, who wouldn't want the chance to affect how the country is run? It's an exciting opportunity. This was exactly what frustrated me when it came to politics. People in power handpicked candidates who supported their agenda and poured money into their campaigns. Anyone outside the system didn't stand a chance of getting nominated, much less elected. It doesn't matter what I say, does it? You've already made up your mind. You're right. I have. Her eyes burned into mine. I'm telling you what's happening, Megan, not asking for your permission. She wiped her hands on a kitchen towel hanging nearby. Frankly, I don't understand why you care one way or the other. I've spent my whole adult life being a mother to you. Now it's my turn. My fork froze in midair, the last piece of waffle dripping sticky syrup onto the plate. If she did run for office... She'd be too preoccupied with her campaign to interfere in my life. I'd prayed for this day since I'd turned 15. Why was I trying to stop her? You're right. I say, go for it. I shoved the last bite of food into my mouth and took a swig of juice. So I can count on your support? I almost spit the mouthful across the room. No, that is not what I said. We both know we're on opposite sides of every issue. Climate control, abortion, guns. The first time we'd clashed, I'd been a teenager, and even though I dreaded talking to people I didn't know, I'd worked on voter registration drives in South Chicago during Obama's first run for office. My mother, a precinct captain, captain for the McCain campaign, hadn't spoken to me for a week. Maybe you could stand beside me on the podium a few times, she said. Don't worry, you won't have to make a speech or anything. I know how you hate that. My fork clattered to the floor. Absolutely not. The fact you're running for office doesn't change where I stand one bit. I raised my voice to make sure she heard me. I won't make any appearances with you at rallies, and you won't get my vote. Got it? She glared at me. Apparently, my back talk took her by surprise. I take that 
would be a no for working for me. So that's the end. <laughs> uh, or, or we should say that is the beginning because uh, <laughs> there, there are a number of secrets uh, that we haven't talked about, which I'm not going to talk about, that relate to, uh, you know, her and her mother and uh, what she learns and uh, later in the book. So all very interesting how that plays out. It's nice uh, that you've got several layers uh, of the plot here. You've got, uh, you know, Megan finding out her mother's running for office at the same time she's trying to find a job. At the same time, she meets Jocelyn not long after she finds herself in this whirlwind of controversy surrounding Jocelyn and she's being loyal to her. So talk a minute about the what if for this book. You said it went through a number of different iterations, but at some point you had the original idea that you were going to put a journalist in the midst of this uh, journalistic storm. Well, not necessarily journalism. Uh, the The seed of the idea came when I was in a writing workshop and the instructor said, fill in the blank. I could never write a book about. And I said, mothers and daughters. I mean, I wrote it down. I didn't say it out loud in the class. <laughs> uh, but then she said, well, write 15 minutes about what if you did write a book about that, what it would be like. And I had done the three characters. I kind of had the central character as the as the girl and then offshoot from her, the mother, and offshoot from that, the mentor. And I had always kind of liked Devil Wears Prada. I thought that was a, a good, interesting character study of a, a very strong, driven career woman uh, encountering a, a somewhat naive and, and then grows out of that naivete uh, young protege. And so that was probably also informing the book a bit. Um and, and that was said in the world of fashion. So I didn't know anything about fashion. I didn't want to duplicate that. So I felt like, well, I know journalism. And that could be what that, that mentor is famous for is, is that kind of thing. And I had, I had looked up to those Diane Sawyer. At that time, actually, Gloria Steinem was a, a journalist, too, and uh, had done the expose of the, the bunny clubs and things before she be, really moved into feminism. And, and at one time, Jocelyn was a famous feminist as opposed to a uh, newscaster. Uh, but then I needed to have a secret that she was hiding, and I uh, came up with something that had been a story uh, that mm. she had worked on that that figures into the plot. So um, it, it was just kind of a... Uh, I, I actually initially wrote a point of view for all three of those characters. And as you know from somebody who started writing and then has written, but this is being my first book, I was told by several editors, you're taking on too much. I mean, three different point of views is a lot. Uh, maybe just pick one. And it seemed like the the younger uh, millennial would be a one where I could write off, write from her point of view, the other two characters. Mm, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that um, you dealt with, which you did in the reading here, was this uh, real-life conflict between generations and how they think about the world, how they think about politics. So, um, and, and that's one of the themes that you deal with in the book. You also deal with journalistic integrity and several other things. Which of the themes, uh, these underlying themes, resonated the most with you? I would say it probably is the generational um, differences. Um, I have a stepdaughter who is about 24, 25, and I can still remember what it was like to be 25. <laughs> My memory isn't going that much. Um, and so I, 
and I do see that reflected in what's going on in society a little bit is and I and I at one point I have Jocelyn and Megan having that discussion primarily Jocelyn is is lecturing her about how the generations differ in that she is saying that 25 year old is all about wanting stuff you're want, and we see that in the in the book I mean Megan is wanting something as simple as getting her first apartment all by herself where she's not rooming with anybody and she's not living with a man and she's not living with her parents. It's like, I can do anything I want. I can decorate it anywhere I want. And it seems like a little thing, but when you're 25, it's like a big thing. And uh, a big thing is what you choose for your uh, career and where you choose to live. At some point, you you can live anywhere, not even just in the United States. You could move to another country. So you don't have, usually don't have that much freedom as you get older because you begin accruing responsibilities and you have maybe you have children and then you have a family or you get married and you have to, to parse out, you know, what your spouse is, uh, needs are. So as you accumulate stuff around you and get older, now it becomes you don't want to lose any of that. And by the time you're at Jocelyn's age, which is 65, 67, somewhere in there, um, you're starting to experience issues with your body. You're, you're, you may have health issues. You may have spouses that die um, or, or parents that die. You may have careers that you get, you're, you're topped out on your career. Um, and in her case, she's worried about losing her reputation, but a lot of people are even worried about losing their mind, in, in fact. Um, so I think that accounts for why sometimes people of di- different generations have so much trouble understanding each other is because they really are coming from a very different standpoint in terms of wants. This is my psychology training again, I guess, with the Maslow's uh, pyramid of wants and where are you on that? Uh, Are your basic needs met? And then as you get higher on it, you want to self-actualize. So I I think that was probably one, certainly one of the uh, ones that I wanted to emphasize is this is why we don't always understand each other. Yeah, which is a great segue to the title of the book, which I really loved, uh, Truth and Other Lies, sort of a nod to pop culture, sort of a nod to, uh, you know, I mean, it's just clever for one thing. So was it the first thing that came to your mind or was this the work of a lot of discussion to come up with this title? Well, I started making a list of um, titles, not titles, words that I saw in titles for women's fiction. And so they were things like mother, daughter, sister, home, uh, family. Uh, But mine was really more geared toward the workplace. So I began kind of thinking more into, okay, well, if it is going to be journalism, what does that have to, you know, what are terms that you think of in terms of journalism? So I just started free associating with all kinds of uh, words to come up with it and, and, uh, I have a list of about 50 titles that I <laughs> thought about. And and when this one came, I thought, hmm, okay, that's a, that might be a possibility. But before, as I said, in a previous uh, iteration, it was a, an adoption story. So uh, it, for a long time, it was lost and found, which I do like as a title, but it doesn't fit for this book. And then it was Boomerang, which is in the first sentence of the book. She calls herself a boomerang, which is a, ty- a, a kind of a media 
shorthand for young 20-year-olds that then boomerang back home when they don't make it in the real world. So that was a title. In fact, I think that might have been the title when I went out uh, querying agents and then changed it to this. Yeah, that's great. Well, look, we have time for a few writing life questions. Uh, you and I actually met uh, in something called a writing support group run by uh, authors Lainey Cameron and Charlotte Dune. And, uh, you know, that's an interesting thing, right? Uh, authors getting together to uh, seek support from one another. Talk about uh, your experience with that kind of environment and how you think it helps authors. To, it's almost, uh, you know, like going to therapy, right? <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Only none of us are trained. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> We're just sharing, sharing our woes. <laughs> but doesn't it doesn't it help though to kind of talk some things out sometimes? Even if nobody in the group has an answer, it's like, oh, okay, now I'm not I'll the only it. one. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And these these are things like uh, I mean, these are all people that you know have written, they've they've published, or they're about to publish. And but it's there's marketing. There's you know. What do you do next? What's the latest, greatest thing to try, right? And so I found it to be very helpful. I've learned some things related to marketing. I'm sure you probably have, uh, and I'd encourage others to do it, but I just was curious about your experience with it. Yeah, that, that's one of the first things I, I tell people when they say, well, I, I might like to be a writer. We talk about writing the craft of it, and the, the sitting your butt in the chair and <laughs> doing it, <laughs> right. but also the community. And, and finding a community, whether it's somebody, a, a community that's local or, or now over Zoom, more and more people are doing it, uh, you know, over the Internet. And and that really expands who you can be in a group with and, and flexibility. You don't have to drive anywhere or something. And, yeah, I think that's just really important to uh, – it's not only practical advice, but it's also just support, like you said, psychological advice of uh, – don't read reviews. Well, if you're going to read reviews, just take it with a grain of salt. And, right. um, and so, yeah, I think that's one of the things that's invaluable. And the writing community is so supportive. I mean, you, I think any creative community is like that. I've talked to actors and I've talked to musicians and they all talk like the people that they interact with in that profession are very supportive and it's not competitive, which I think from the outside, you think it would be. And there's a little bit of jealousy of, hmm, she got that. Why didn't I get that? Uh, but that's a rising tide lifts all boats. Is that what they Exactly. Yes, I think that's what they say. Well, look, one last right and left question. Uh, you've, you've written this novel now. It's been through number of iterations. Uh, the question goes something like this. If you could tell your younger writing self something very helpful which, had you known it at the beginning of this writing project, uh, might have helped you with that writing project sooner, what would it be? Well, I referred to this earlier. It would be to sit and think of what really is what you want to write about. And not the surface plot, but that also. But I think deeper, what's something that is a theme, I guess you'd say, that really resonates with you, that you, have, you feel like you have something you want to say about it. And then from there, maybe can grow the plot and the characters that you're going to pin that on. But it's something that you live with for months, years. You don't want to be writing about something that you really just don't care anything about. And so if you think it's something important that you either learned or that you feel like you still want to learn <laughs> and explore, uh, make sure you pick something that re resonates with you as a overarching theme of your book and then figure out 
before you even put word to paper, figure out a little bit how it's going to go. Uh, and is that something that you'll be able to sell in the marketplace? Now, you can you can write anything you want, but if, if your goal is also to get published, it's good to be realistic about this and realize that you have to be a little buzzy. You have to have a little bit of a hook to be able to uh, get it sold. I mean, in your case, you have the senior living detectives kind of thing, which is kind of <laughs> cute and yeah. and hooky. And it's a different take on the detective um, tropes. So I think that's important just to catch the catch the attention of a agent or a publisher. Yeah, that's, that's good advice. Hey, listeners, uh, in just a moment, we're going to jump over to our Patreon channel. That's at patreon.com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. And we're going to uh, have a conversation. That's a place where you can go to support the podcast. It's uh, just a few dollars a month. You'll get over 120 exclusive episodes. We're going to be doing uh, with Maggie uh, our 10 minutes of uh, reading and writing tips. And uh, so join us there. Yeah, uh, check it out. Hey, Maggie, look, it's been great uh, having you on the podcast, and I wish you all the success with Truth and Other Lies. Thank you very much. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.